Hey, everybody out there. It is Saturday morning. The weather's finally starting to get better. So a lot of you out there are starting to go out and about, waking up from hibernation. The six-month winters that we have to experience up here in the northern Midwest looks like it's finally over. So I'm sure last night you went out, you indulged maybe a little bit too much. So that is why the maestro is here for you Saturday morning, May the 6th. 2023. The Conquistador is off this week because he had to go see Yo-Yo Ma. I still can't get over it, but this is the guy who's going to give you his review of Shinedown from a couple weeks ago, and this is the guy that just went to see Yo-Yo Ma, so take that for what you will. Of course, taping here on May the 4th. Yes, it is Star Wars Day. Sports Frenzy is with you, it is. I don't know, I can't do that Yoda speak very well. So all you Star Wars geeks out there, I hope you had fun today. But again, this hits Saturday morning, May the 6th. And as always... We start off the weekend edition, your hangover cure, each and every Saturday morning with rock and roll. Although I'm wondering what the definition of that means anymore, if it means anything anymore. But you'll have to hang out until the end of the show for that discussion. Now with Dave out this week, I get to review some music that I normally would not review with him some stuff that he stays away from that I enjoy. So album review of the week is a band called The Hold Steady. Their new album is The Price of Progress. Now I might have reviewed one of these songs the last time Dave was out. So now you get the full album review of The Price of Progress. Now, what I will always say about The Hold Steady is that you will listen to them one song and know whether you're going to like them or whether you're going to hate them. They are not an acquired taste per se. But stylistically, you will know listening to one song, whether they are something, some some kind of music, some kind of band that you want to delve into deeper, or something you just go hell no and back the fuck away from them. Now, me personally, had a friend turn me on to them years and years ago, and I have been a fairly steadfast fan ever since. But I will admit they have shortcomings. Um, They don't vary a lot from their formula. Their leader and lead singer, Craig Finn, master at writing depth into his lyrics, stories, colorful characters with a ton of detail. The problem is it's very hard for the band, it seems like, to keep up musically. Now, listening to The Price of Progress, I have probably listened to this Hold Steady album more than I have listened to, at least out of the gate, more than maybe their last three or four albums. It's enjoyable. Again, you have to just sample the Hold Steady. If you've never listened to them before, you will you will get a feel for the sound, musically, lyrically, just pick a random song off of any of their last half a dozen albums. And again, it doesn't, there are subtle differences, but it doesn't vary much. The highlights of The Price of Progress. I personally thought the song Carlos is Crying 
track three is the best. Um, the detail of the lyrics seem to fit a little bit better in the slower kind of, I don't know, kind of a, a mambo type of feel, uh, a tempo to it. Um, there's something about this song that just elevates it a little bit higher than the rest of the, the Hold Steady's normal output. Um, now, they've been releasing songs, obviously, for months before the album came out. Sideways Skull, Sixers, these songs were already out. Sixers is another entertaining song. Now, musically, not much there to crow about. Not a lot of adventurous guitar work or anything going on in the background. But again, the Hold Steady, they're defined by Craig Finn's songwriting, his lyrics. So the six, Sixers is one of the more entertaining, interesting songs lyrically on this album. Now track nine, Distortions of Faith, kind of brought the tempo down a little bit. And the more I listened, the more I got into Distortions of Faith. You've got a lot of horns in the bird watchers, which kind of liven things up a bit. The lead off track Grand Junction is cool. So again, the more I listened to The Price of Progress, the more I liked it. I would recommend it, but again, this is something that you have to figure out if you're going to like or not just by the style of the band. I have tried to recommend the Hold Steady to other people as they were recommended to me, and sometimes it just blew up in my face. That's how, I don't want to say polarizing they are, but again, last time I'll say this, you will know whether you're going to like them or whether you're not by sampling three or four minutes of their music. And you can pick randomly, as I said before. But again, I recommend The Price of Progress from The Hold Steady. Check it out. And again, not something the Conquistador would ever listen to. So that's why you get a special review from me solo this week. Now we've got a couple songs to review that, again, Dave would not touch with a 10-foot pole. We all know his disdain for the Dave Matthews Band. He and I, along with his wife, Mrs. C, have been going to concerts together for a long, long time. And the one concert that still haunts me because of how, how much he hated going and how much he hated the show was when his wife and I dragged him to go see the Dave Matthews Band. Now, I personally thought it was a great show. It was the second time I'd seen them. Thought it was a very good show. But it's just not his cup of tea. So, this is the perfect weekend edition for me to review the second release from Dave Matthews Band's upcoming album. The second single is Monsters. Now, this is more of a typical Dave Matthews type song in terms of a slower tempo. And of course, you can tell by the title, we're going to have references to what monsters are you supposed to fear more? The monsters under your bed or the monsters in the closet or the monsters in real life. But again, I'm a Dave Matthews Band fan. I love the music. I, it's different for me. There's only so much headbanging from the 80s I can do. I do need a little bit of variety, a little bit of something different. 
and that's what Dave Matthews Band gives me. Are they perfect? No. No, they're not. Uh, but so far, the first two songs from their upcoming album coming out, I believe, next month. I believe in June. Maybe late May. But coming up here at least within the next month or two, Monsters, the second single, the album is called Walking Around the Moon, I think. Sorry, I don't have my old sheets of data from past episodes to let you know specifically what the title of the album is or the release date, but come on, I'm giving you enough here. Look it up on Amazon. Do your homework, kids. If I can't do it, you do it for me. Give me something back in return. Let's make this a reciprocal relationship here, even if you're suffering through a hangover. But Monsters is a solid Dave Matthews Band song. It's not going to end up being a classic, but it's definitely a good tune. Peter Gabriel. Again, another performer that I know the Conquistador would not want anything to do with. I have been listening to the four songs that he has put out for his forthcoming album, I.O. Now, what I'm going to review for you here is the fourth track, which is the title track, I.O. And there are times when I think Peter Gabriel is another one of these pretentious asshats like Roger Waters or Neil Young or Bob Dylan. But from what I'm hearing from I.O., this kind of makes me want to listen to the album. Uh, The title track, I.O., isn't again we're not gonna see we're not gonna hear we're not gonna see the the ridiculously cool videos we're not gonna hear the catchy pop and dance stuff that we got from him back when he kind of reinvented himself a little bit for the 80s as so many other artists did with songs like sledgehammer and big time I.O. is more of an optimistic, sunny, poppy song. When I saw what he was calling his album, when I say I.O., it looks like I slash O. And I thought, oh boy. Okay, this is like Prince deciding to call himself this unpronounceable symbol. But now when you hear the title track, I.O. stands for In and Out. And this song discusses in almost an ebullient tone the basic wonders of life. Stuff going out, stuff coming in. The constant process of life, the constant cycle of life, in and out. And I like this song. I'm telling you, this is a great song. I think the lead-off track, Panopticom, was probably the weakest um, of the four songs that are out there right now. Again, you can check out Spotify or wherever you listen to music, Pandora. They do have different feels to them, different textures to them. Um, But I am really encouraged by what I've heard so far. So I know, again, the Conquistador will not let me review the full album here on Sports Frenzy. We have an understanding. There are certain things that he doesn't force on me in terms of reviewing And I do the same for him. I show him the same courtesy. So when the album does come out, you can check out my podcast. I don't get to to pimp it here on Sports Frenzy, another kind of a 
understanding, unspoken understanding that Dave and I have. But this week, since I'm solo, you can check out my music podcast every Friday night, The Fortress of Rock. You can find it the same place you find Sports Frenzy. I'll get this out of the way now. It's early, but you can find both Sports Frenzy 2.0 and The Fortress of Rock on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon, and Audible. And, of course, we have a Facebook page where most of the stuff we put out there is, is pertaining to our sports podcast episode which drops every Thursday morning but you will always be able to find links to the weekend edition on that Facebook page all right so I've given you a fairly positive review of the hold steady a fairly positive review of Dave Matthews band and a fairly enthusiastic positive review of IO the title track from Peter Gabriel's upcoming album. So what is left? I'm going to cheat a little bit here. I I was thinking about holding off on this because this is the one song that Dave wanted to review because we're going to see him in concert next month. That would be John Mellencamp. And of course, new album Orpheus Descending coming soon. The first single off of that is the song, Hey God. So Dave, we'll let Dave play catch up next week on this one. I'm going to go ahead and give you my two cents on Hey God. First up, it's about gun control. I don't have a problem if I know going in the song is going to be political or it's polarizing or the lyrics are going to push buttons. It doesn't offend me. I, uh, I am a supporter of the Second Amendment, but I also understand the other side of limiting access to guns. There is a little bit of media manipulation involved, so... Um, we won't go down that road, but Hey God is a pretty damn good song. Now, again, we have talked about John Mellencamp a lot over the, the last couple years that we've been doing Sports Frenzy. He's never going to go back to what he was back in the, the 80s or even the 90s. Now, for me personally... Um, as much as I admire Scarecrow and Uh Uh-huh, the the albums that I always seem to gravitate towards, and I listened to them both here this past weekend, aren't his most well-known albums. I kind of listened to the transition era when Mellencamp wanted to get away from being the, the rock icon that he became in the eighties and then starting to form himself more into a, for for lack of better words, a grumpy, bitter old rock star. And I have not been a huge fan of his output over the last 20 years. There's some good in there, but there's a lot of head scratchers and a lot of to me, boring, mediocre music. Hey God is better than most of the stuff he's put out in the 2000s. But like I was saying, I always gravitated to the album Whenever We Wanted and Mr. Happy Go Lucky because those were kind of the transitional albums to me, the good, the really good transitional albums in between rock icon, and grumpy old man. And Hey God almost is a throwback to that era. 
You can hear a little bit of the Lonesome Jubilee in there in terms of its sound. Very solid song from John Mellencamp. I'll let you decide lyrically where you want to fall on one side or the other or somewhere in the middle. It's discussion that we need to have. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want John Mellencamp leading the discussion, but still, I have no problems. Again, if I know up front a song's going to be political or a touch button type of tune, it's fine. So, again, lots of good stuff this week. Most of it my personal favorites. Next week, we will get back into rock and roll. As I mentioned, Dave will have his review of Shinedown. And I believe Three Days Grace also played on that that bill as well. Why didn't I go? I don't like Shinedown. I don't care about Shinedown at all. We will also be reviewing the new Winger album, Seven. Yes, back to our glorious 80s hair metal days. And then, of course, the Rival Sons, a newer band that we have gotten into after seeing them in concert last year, opening up for Greta Van Fleet and kicking their ass. The fourth single off Rival Sons' upcoming album, Dark Fighter, Guillotine, will be on the slate for next week here on Sports Frenzy as well. One final rock and roll note before I wrap up segment one here on May the 4th. We told you last week it was coming. Aerosmith confirms they are going out on their farewell tour. Yes, it is called the Peace Out Tour. So if you want to see Aerosmith before they call it quits, I suggest you buy your tickets ASAP. Probably going to pass on this one. I've seen them a couple times. Once really good, once really bad. The way the ticket prices are spiraling out of control. Just, it's not worth it. I'm sorry. I know the Black Crows are opening for them. I would love to see the Black Crows once in my life, but it won't break my heart. Now, the last thing I've got for you before we head into TV and streaming segment two is there is only one. you got to wait again to the end, the end of this weekend edition. There is only one Red Foreman weekend edition dumbass coming up at the end of the show. But it involves rock and roll, and it is going to be a long, lengthy hate-filled, expletive-filled tirade from yours truly. You figure out who I am going to rip into. It shouldn't be all that hard. One major, colossal dumbass of the week involving rock and roll. That will be coming up in the third and final segment. But next up, after a quick promo... We'll discuss the latest episode of Titans. The latest episode of Paramount Plus is Beavis and Butthead. We'll talk about what TV and streaming news there is out there. Of course, there is a Writers Guild strike on right now. So right after we get done with COVID and all the lockdown stuff and finally things ramp up and we're starting to get movies and we're starting to get TV shows, It shuts all back down again. That is the insanity and stupidity of Hollywood. So hang out with me. We've got probably another 45 minutes to go here on the weekend edition with the maestro. I promise we're going to have some fun. So hang out. TV and streaming is up next. I'll be right back. Now that we've let you into Frenzy Club, here are three rules. One, you don't talk about Sports Frenzy 2.0. You listen to it on Spotify, 
Anchor, Google, Apple, and all other major podcast hosts. Two. Two guys to a show. Kevin, Dave, the maestro and the conquistador. Three. One sports frenzy episode at a time. Until Saturday, when you get the weekend edition. Now get in there and let loose on some PC wuss bags, will ya? Hey everybody, welcome back to Sports Frenzy 2.0. Taping here on May the 4th. Of course, your weekend edition hits every Saturday morning. In this case, May the 6th of 2023. TV and streaming here in segment two. Going to be a quick, brief segment here between music, between movies. Didn't get to watch a lot of TV and streaming this week. Outside of my two favorite shows right now, which I will discuss with you since the Conquistador is not here this week. Of course, Titans wrapping up its final season, season four. Episode 10 aired last week. Is Connor a.k.a. Superboy, starting to show that he is, in fact, pulling some kind of a deep, deep undercover operation as he portrays the de facto president, CEO of LexCorp, but subtly maneuvering behind the scenes to bring down Brother Blood. Of course, now we've got the Doom Patrol involved. So it's kind of a crossover deal going here. This might not be the best season of Titans out of the four, but it's still strong. It's still cool. little bit too much emphasis now all of a sudden on Gar, Beast Boy. They haven't done a lot for him this season in terms of favors in making him somebody I like. A lot of times he comes off as just a grinning idiot because he's discovered the red and his new powers and his access to this Life force. Whatever. But now, as we head towards the end of Titans, and then of course, right after that, I'm sure we'll get the last half of the final season of Doom Patrol, also season four. Hopefully the writers at... DC, HBO Max, Warners will give these characters a proper send-off. But a couple of characters who never will go away, it seems like, for better or for worse. (laughs) For me, I want them around forever because Beavis and Butthead are just awesome. But I will say this. The second season of this revival series hasn't been quite as sharp, quite as good as the first season, as now we're three episodes in, starting to feel a little stale, a little flat. I'll still take it. It's still funnier than most of the stuff out there, but... Not nearly as entertaining as the first season on Paramount+. Plus. Haven't started watching it yet, but brand new show. Massive hype surrounding the Russo brothers. Their new show on Amazon Prime, Citadel. I'll get to it. I will get to it. 
it looks interesting. I'm not entirely convinced with the casting, with some of the, the previews I've seen, if this is going to be the be-all, end-all, awesome new action series that it's supposed to be. Same thing with The Night Agent. Talked about that here the last couple weeks. Another show on Netflix this time, as opposed to Amazon with Citadel. The Night Agent. Everybody loves The Night Agent. Everybody's ranting and raving about how great The Night Agent is. Great ratings for it. Lots of people watching it on Netflix. Again, just doesn't resonate with me. I'll probably still give it a shot here at some point. Of course, Lucky Hank. Definitely going to work my way through season one of Lucky Hank with Bob Odenkirk. I know the Conquistador is watching it. So we will be reviewing that here in the coming weeks. And then, of course, Beef on Netflix. Still a possibility for something I might watch. There is lots and lots to choose from out there. Many options, many interesting, creative, cool things to watch. So please forgive me especially, but me and the Conquistador, both that we are not going to get to everything. There's just so many shows out there. We got to pick and choose the ones that appeal to us, the ones that grab us right from the beginning like lucky hank did for me at least all right and tv and streaming news i can't believe i am about to utter these words after what we just had to deal with in the movie theaters with blood and honey but Supposedly, there is an R-rated Christopher Robin series with Winnie the Pooh in the works. This is why I mentioned Blood and Honey, that low-budget horror movie where Winnie the Pooh becomes a killer because Christopher Robin abandons him to go to college, I believe. So now we're going to get an R-rated Christopher Robin TV show featuring Winnie the Pooh. And I'm sure Eeyore and Piglet and the entire cast of characters. And this really hurts me. This bothers me just because out of all the, the kids shows, all the animated shows, even live action shows that I grew up with, Saturday mornings or primetime specials, Winnie the Pooh was the sweetest, nicest, most feel-good bunch of shows and movies out there. And for them to, to now corrupt Winnie the Pooh. And of course they did this with the Banana Splits too. Another one of my favorites from childhood. This is why I'm such a cynical bastard. This is why I hate people. There are some things you don't do. We've talked about it. There are some movies you don't remake. Leave them alone. The originals were good enough. But no, Hollywood can't stop. They've got to corrupt and destroy everything in their path. And now it involves Winnie the Pooh. And it frankly upsets me. Funny show. Absolutely funny show. Now, I'll admit I have gone in and out on it. We're heading into season 16, and those seasons have been spread out well over two decades. Yes, I'm talking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. We'll actually be talking about one of the cast members of this show, in segment three when we get to our movie review of the week.
but it's always sunny in Philadelphia. We'll be back June the 7th on FXX. And then, of course, Dave's not here for big news for him this week in TV and streaming. He loves Michael Connolly's Harry Bosch. He loved the show Bosch on Amazon Prime. And, of course, now it's kind of shifted over to Amazon's streaming subsidiary. They're free ad-supported subsidiary Freebie. Now it's Bosch Legacy. Already renewed for season three. Titus Welliver, very great, very cool, very great actor playing Harry Bosch. I know the Conquistador loves him, loves the show, loves the new show, Legacy. So good news for him. Of course, casting a dark shadow over all of this talk here at TV and streaming. And then, of course, in the next segment with the movies is the Writers Guild of America. The WGA is on strike. And, of course, now Saturday Night Live and all the late night talk shows, the first to be affected by the strike. What a shame. Saturday Night Live, a show that has not been funny in almost two decades. And if you can stop Stephen Colbert from talking, if you can shut up Jimmy Kimmel, I'm all for a strike. But now the problem is, these nice little early benefits we're getting are going to carry over to delaying movie production again. Delaying TV production again after the COVID delays. And of course, California was one of the last states to actually ease up on all the restrictions. Insanity. Insanity. That state is insane. They think they're smarter, they think they're better, and they're actually the dumbest most bass-ackward people on the face of God's green earth. Please, please, tax me 50% so I can live in this hellhole. Please, because I get to be near Groman's Chinese Theater and the Hollywood Walk of Fame and LeBron James and the Lakers. Please tax me 50%. Idiots. All right, that's going to wrap up segment two. I do want to note, we will have a book review next week. Dave and I both read Lincoln Child's latest Jeremy Logan thriller, which was released in 2022, Chrysalis. Next segment, we'll talk about the movies and what movies we will be reviewing in the coming weeks here on Sports Frenzy. We've already talked about the music we're going to be reviewing, so that's it. Segment two is done. Finny over. But you've still got segment three coming. My review of Champions with Woody Harrelson. And then, of course, one epic rant. One epic Red Foreman dumbass of the week involving the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You don't want to miss it, especially if you want to hear me come close to having a stroke on this podcast. You're going to want to hang around for the final segment here on Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. I'll be right back. Hi, I'm Harrison Ford. And when I'm not listening to Sports Frenzy, on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon, and Audible. I'm out promoting my latest movie, even though I'm in my 80s. Right now, I'm working on my next Indiana Jones adventure. Indiana Jones and the Adult Diaper of Danger. So grab your Metamucil. I mean your popcorn. Popcorn. 
and head out to the movies. Hey, did I hear Short Round won an Oscar? I don't have one of those. Son of a bitch. How did that happen? No time for love, Dr. Jones, my ass. Welcome back to the weekend edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. Taping here on May the 4th. This will hit, as always, Saturday morning. That would be, in this instance, May the 6th. All you Star Wars geeks out there, as we get into our movies segment, geeking out, can't get enough of The Mandalorian, can't get enough of all these ridiculous movies and shows on Disney+. Plus. I gave up on Star Wars a long time ago. Um, I am a Star Trek guy, and I don't even watch all of those shows. But you do what makes you happy. I hope, as we tape again here on May the 4th, that you had a great Star Wars day. Now, we're not going to be talking about Star Wars anymore. The featured movie review here this weekend on Sports Frenzy 2.0 is Champions. Champions now streaming on Peacock, of course, was in the theaters recently. And I do love how this is all working out now where we're getting the best of both worlds. These movies go to the theaters. The studios can make more money on them in a theatrical window. But at the same time, it's not like it was when I was a kid where you had to wait a year plus for a movie to show up on HBO or Showtime. Now the window is pretty much about two to three months, maybe four in some cases, which is about fair and right. So champions. I was looking forward to seeing this. Um, not enough, of course, to see it in the theater, but impressive cast for a comedy. And then I, of course, heard it was directed by one of the Farrelly brothers, This, in this case, Bobby Farrelly. I thought, this is going to be good. This is going to be a raunchy, kind of a, a, a takeoff on The Ringer, if you've ever seen that, with Johnny Knoxville and Katherine Heigl, which I really thoroughly enjoyed. But I thought, here, Bobby Farrelly is in charge of this one. This is going to be crazy raunchy it's gonna be politically incorrect <laughs> i am sorry and sad to report that is not the case champions isn't bad but the best i can say about it is its heart is in the right place it is not the over-the-top raunchy, nasty, questionable humor you would kind of expect it to be with Woody Harrelson as the disgraced former coach sentenced to community service where he has to coach a group of mentally disabled, mentally challenged. I know we can't use the R word individuals in a special Olympics type environment, trying to get them into a basketball tournament and to advance to the North American title game. And of course, this is your typical underdog story for both the coach and the kids, the players. Lots of comparisons could be made here to the Bad News Bears. Um, but again, there's not a lot of edgy humor here. Very little, in my opinion. Again, this movie ends up being more heartwarming than it does funny. Um, Caitlin Olson from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia plays the love interest. 
You've got Cheech Marin and Ernie Hudson along for the ride. The kids who play on the team, they're fine. They do a great job. But again, the script is nothing special. I mean, the screen, the screenplay, fall, it falls flat. Again, especially when it comes to a lack of laugh out loud, crude, funny moments. And again, the best thing I can say about it is that it has heart. It makes you feel a little, little bit better. Tiny, tiny little bit better about life and people, even though it's, of course, a work of fiction. Because in real life, people suck and life sucks. But I can't really recommend Champions. We've seen it before. We've been there before. There's nothing really all that original or new about Champions. I will give it a week two frenzies. Um, again, if you really desperately need a feel-good movie, then go ahead and watch it. But it's going to be the same feel-good movie you've probably watched a dozen times before. And in a lot of instances, done a lot better. So a little bit of disappointment for Champions. Now in movie news, speaking of great politically incorrect kind of raunchy comedies, word is that there is a Dodgeball sequel in the works and Vince Vaughn will be back. So we'll see if Ben Stiller hops on board. We'll see who else from the original will partake. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Now we talked recently about how Harrison Ford is done with Indiana Jones. I know, not really a big shock considering the fact that he'll most likely be dead by the time they even start thinking about making another one. Well, Sigourney Weaver has now come out and said, do not expect me to show up in any of the alien projects that are in the works, movies, TV shows, whatever it might be. She is done as the iconic Ellen Ripley. Now, Sylvester Stallone, we know he has had a resurgence here recently. Some good, some bad. Um, Samaritan, which is on Amazon Prime right now, wasn't all that great. But Tulsa King, of course, him falling under the umbrella of the Taylor Sheridan Empire through Paramount. Tulsa King is phenomenal. Now, we also talked recently about the fact that Sylvester Stallone is now working, I guess, not exclusively with Amazon, but has kind of a, what do they call it, the pretentious people in Hollywood call a first-look deal um, to produce, direct, star, whatever it might be for Amazon. But he will also be back, I would assume, in a limited role in a cliffhanger reboot slash sequel. I've heard rumblings and rumors that it's going to be a female cast outside of him and maybe one or two others. So I can see him just being that, that cameo appearance, almost like he was with Michael Jordan in the Creed movies, the first two Creed movies. I don't even expect him to have that much screen time when it comes to this new cliffhanger reinvention. Now, coming up in future episodes here on Sports Frenzy, this is a weekend edition. We'll have reviews of, I will at least have a review of Scream 6 at some point soon. 
I will also have a review of A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks. And Air, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, the story of how Michael Jordan joined Nike. Looks like that's going to hit Amazon on May the 12th. So if you've got Amazon Prime, you can stream that in about a week. We'll have a review of that for you here at some point in the month of May. All right, time for our moments of silence. Unfortunately, there are weeks when we have nobody. I mean, when I say nobody, I mean nobody has passed away of major significance, which is always a good thing. Everybody is living to fight another week. Unfortunately, this week was not the case for that. Former politician turned controversial talk show host Jerry Springer passed away here recently. You can blame him in some respects, possibly maybe for the downfall of television with that style of arguing, fighting, actual physical confrontation. You could say it was him. You could say it was Geraldo. I'm sorry, the lowest common denominator right along there with reality television dating shows. You can feel your brain cells pop like Jiffy Pop popcorn watching this kind of stuff. I acknowledge the influence of Jerry Springer, but... But in the end, I think he did more harm than good when it comes to the television landscape. Now, personally for me, on the TV front, this one hurt. And a lot of you guys and gals out there are not going to know who this is and not going to care as much as me, and that's fine. But I loved, loved loved the old MASH television series with Alan Alda. And of course, depending on what year you caught it, could have been Wayne Rogers. It could have been Harry Morgan. Now, of course, you always had Radar. You always had Jamie Farr as Klinger. But who left us this past week? was Eileen Saki. And this is the part where you're going to go, what? Who? Rosie. She played Rosie. Of course, Rosie had that club that uh, the 4077th doctors and nurses frequented. I don't know. If, can we call it a den of ill repute? But Rosie's was always important to a lot of the storylines with MASH. So I personally, and I hope some of you out there agree with me, I personally send out my thoughts and prayers to the late, great Eileen Saki. Now on the music front... Tim Bachman of Bachman Turner Overdrive passed away here recently. Not the most important or flashy member of BTO. Believe he was only with them for a couple albums. But still. Hmm. A band that maybe should be considered for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What? What? Wait a minute. We'll get to that. And then finally, of course, the great Gordon Lightfoot has left us. Sundown, the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. So many great songs. Again, I would rather see Gordon Lightfoot 
in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame than some of these terrible, terrible inductees that they have put in recently. How about that for a segue? How about that to lead us into the one massive, monumental, colossal, dumbass of the week that I promised you earlier in the weekend edition? And yes, you can guess who it is. I've been not so subtle here talking about the passing of Tim Bachman of BTO and Gordon Lightfoot in alluding to the fact that once again, and maybe for the worst time ever, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is the Sports Frenzy Weekend Edition, Red Foreman, massive, dumbasses of the week. Singular, plural, I don't care. You want to say plural because of all the idiots who are in charge, or you want to call it a singular entity? I don't care. They're all dumbasses, no matter how you cut it. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced the 2023 class of inductees. And I, as an absolute moron, an absolute idiot, even though it only counted for 0.01%, got out there and voted as many days as I could for the months that the fan voting was open. And as I watched the fan vote, I understood George Michael and Cindy Lauper being on top. But it was encouraging because the top five are the ones that get this 0.01% vote. Along with, what, a thousand other media members and Rock and Roll Hall of Famers and, and other influential members of the music community. So the top five in the fan voting were in no particular order. I know George Michael was number one. Cindy Lauper was number two. And then after that, I believe it was Warren Zevon, Iron Maiden, and Soundgarden. You might have to flip Soundgarden and Iron Maiden, but those were your top five. And I would have been happy with that if that was your, your five that got in. But no. But no, number one, the fans don't matter. The fans don't know anything, which is bullshit. We know more in our little pinky fingers about music than the idiots who are running the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame know in their massively inflated heads. Here is your class for the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. George Michael. Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, Missy Elliott, Cheryl Crow, Kate Bush, and the Spinners. Yes, you'll notice, no Iron Maiden, no Soundgarden, no Warren Zevon, no Cyndi Lauper, no White Stripes who are on the ballot. It's almost like they intentionally went out of their way to piss off the rock and roll fans out there. We will exclude all the rock and roll we possibly can. And don't tell me Rage Against the Machine. Oh, man, they're so cool. They're so influential. Bullshit. To put them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame against Iron Maiden, Soundgarden, Pathetic. Pathetic. And then the rest of it, don't even get me started. No problem with George Michael. No problem with the spinners. But beyond that, Willie Nelson, again, it's not the Country Music Hall of Fame. Kate Bush has been a darling of of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for years now. We knew it was eventually going to happen. I don't get it. I've never understood it. I've never gotten it outside of the fact that she had the one song that was big because it was in Stranger Things. Cheryl Crow, are you fucking kidding me? She's in ahead 
of Boston Sticks, Ario Speedwagon, Foreigner, Cheryl Crow, and Missy Misdemeanor Elliott. I've got people telling me, well, you don't understand her music. She's got she's got rock songs. Oh, give me a goddamn break. Please break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar because I'm not buying it. And even Cindy Lauper didn't make it. Cindy Lauper should be in before Kate Bush. Cindy Lauper should be in before Cheryl Crow and Missy Elliott if you just want to talk about women in rock and roll. This is garbage. This is the most insulting class of inductees I have ever seen the Rock Hall vote for. So I am done, done, done with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I say it every year, but this time I mean it. And unfortunately, sorry to say, I am done with you as well, all you great, awesome podcast listeners out there. Again, the Conquistador will rejoin me next week, not only for the weekend edition, but for the sports edition. Sports Frenzy 2.0 hits every Thursday morning and every Saturday morning with the weekend edition. I am the maestro Kevin Crane. I hope I helped guide you through your hangover, your early summer hangover. We love them. We all have them. We all get them. Doesn't matter if you're 21, 31, 51, or 61. It's good. It's all good. Just don't drink and drive. Beyond that, do what you got to do to survive this messy thing we call life. That is it for Sports Frenzy's weekend edition here on May the 6th, taping, of course, on May the 4th. For all the Star Wars geeks out there, take care, everybody. Ignore the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Better things out there to waste your time on than that idiocy. We will talk to you next week. Take care again. Have a safe and great weekend. Bye.